The following program is sponsored by Fairly Spiritual on KCIS. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Doug Bursch and you're listening to The Fairly Spiritual Show. So here's a problem many of us face. Embracing the reality of our life or constantly comparing our life to a fictional life that doesn't exist. Constantly regretting or lamenting that we're not living the life we think we're supposed to live. A life that has never existed and will never exist. On today's show, we're going to talk about embracing the reality of our life, the reality of our calling. And to do that, we're going to look at the Apostle Paul's life when he embraced the reality of his calling. for joining me. I am Dr. Doug Bursch, and this is the Fairly Spiritual Show. If you'd like to contact me to give a text, you can leave a message as well if your thumbs don't like to text. I'm not a big texter. By the way, I just use one thumb. I just take my time. I'm not a two-thumb texter. But if you'd like to text the show and just say, hey, I listen, I enjoy the show, Uh, keep it up, Doug, I I don't really want a bunch of negative texts. Is it all right for me to say that? I mean, that's appropriate, right? I don't want you typing some passive-aggressive thing to me. But if you want to... T- <laughs> Is it okay for me to be honest? Can we just like be honest Christians? But if you want to text and say, Hey, you know, I like the show. I like what you're talking about. Uh, or tell me something that God said to you as, as you were listening to the show. Then here's the number uh, to text. 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. Three times because it's radio, 360-818-4513. So uh, you can text the show or you can leave a voicemail. Um, Also, uh, to keep this show on the radio, we broadcast on Fridays. We have a repeat on Sundays. And then also there's a podcast version of this that you can get through iTunes or SoundCloud. But to keep this on the radio, we need your support. I'm going to have to maybe do an all-support show. I don't want to do one of those. Really don't. Those aren't very fun shows, right? You know, where you talk about money the whole time. But in order to keep us on the air, I need some people to donate. To do that, you go to fairlyspiritual.org and donate. You can donate $25 or $25,000. Probably $25 makes more sense, right? So $25, $100, that makes a huge difference. Uh, if we could have at least uh, one person every show donate $100, five people donate $25, that, that, that gets us really close. We have some benefactors who are regularly trying to put uh, money towards this, but we need you, the regular listening audience. You ever listen to PBS and they're saying, you know, this program was brought to viewers like you, and you kind of go, oh, I hope it's not viewers like me because I never donate a dime. If you've ever been like that, well, uh, I'm saying this to you. uh, This is on the radio. If you're listening to the radio, it's brought to you (laughs) by listeners like you. So uh, with that, if you could donate, that'd be great. Go to fairlyspiritual.org and you can click on the donate button. Enough, enough with the announcements. Uh, I want to get right into the topic uh, today. So uh, I don't know if you do this, but do you ever live kind of in a fictional world, the world that you wish was? You know, you, you're constantly hoping for a reality that never has existed and never will existed. 
Uh, for instance, uh, Mariner fans, Mariner baseball. Oh my goodness. Uh, before you judge me, I've always been a Mariner fan, but I don't know why. I really don't know why. Why am I a Mariner fan? I, 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 don't, I don't know. There's no logic to it. Because I have this idea. I have this idea that they're going to be something they're not. Every year, I just have this, this concept, this, this fictional reality that I've in my head that oh, we're going to do good this year and good things are going to happen. And, I, and it's just a false notion of reality. The reality is they're not going to do well. They're just, you know, I really shouldn't talk about the Mariners because I could just maybe cry for a half an hour on the radio. I mean, it might be interesting. You might talk to your friends about that. Yeah, I was listening to the radio and I just, this guy just cried for 30 minutes and just, he, he was murmuring Dave Niehaus every once in a while and my oh my, he just kept saying there's no happy totals. But no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about uh, the Mariners, but we can, we can do this. We can have an ideal and that ideal is how we kind of measure our life. Like this is what's going to happen, but the ideal is not reality. And so we live in this escapist world. Well, in, in a more serious way, sometimes we have this ideal about what our life was supposed to be about. We, we have this idea of, um, this is the kind of place I was supposed to live, and this is the kind of marriage I was supposed to have, or this is the marriage I want to have, or these are the kids I'm supposed to have, or, or this is the job I'm supposed to have, and this is the kind of church I'm supposed to have. And we have this fictional reality that doesn't exist. And we're constantly comparing our present existence to a reality that never existed. I want to talk about that struggle a little bit, the, the fictional reality, or maybe the desire that we have versus the reality. And I want to look at the Apostle Paul's life and, and get into something that I don't think we understand why Paul preached uh, to the Gentiles, why he was a minister to the Gentiles. And one of the things I, just, I want to say here is I don't think Paul went to the Gentiles because he desired to go to the Gentiles first. I don't think Paul was like, you know, I'm just called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. That's something I really want to do. I think he embraced that reality because the actual things that he wanted to do, he couldn't do. What he wanted to do, he was rejected. He was rejected by people. He was rejected by his own culture. He was rejected by circumstances outside his control. And so he was caught. He was caught that he had a desire to speak to a certain group that rejected him. And so instead of living his whole life just kind of, well, you know, I had this desire, I wanted to speak to a certain group, they won't listen to me, I guess, you know, I'm just going to lament that or try to keep speaking to a group that doesn't listen to me. Instead of that, he embraced the new reality or the actual reality of his life, and he began to preach and teach uh, and minister to the Gentiles. Now, I'm going to explain this a little bit, and we're going to do a little bit of theology here. And so uh, open up your Bibles, open up your theology brain, and uh, you don't have a lot of time to talk about this, so I might be talking in general concepts, but this concept is pretty powerful when you think about the Apostle Paul's life. Looking in the book of Acts, if you go to Acts 11, there's uh, this story uh, right, right before I'm going to read this part where uh, the gospel basically begins to go to the Gentiles, and the Gentiles are, are not Jews. The, the Old Testament talks about that eventually uh, the promises that God has given to his chosen people, the Jewish people, are going to go to all the world, to all nations. And the Jewish people understood that, but they didn't quite understand how that was going to happen. And so for the first believers, the first believers were Jews who had accepted Christ. They were Jewish believers in Christ. And so what they struggled with was the idea of how can Gentiles be brought into the teachings 
the death and resurrection of Christ. And so there's a story about Peter being brought before Cornelius, and he's hanging out with Cornelius, who Cornelius is a centurion, he's a Gentile. Uh, Jews are not supposed to associate with Gentiles, but as Peter is, is uh, he, Peter gets a vision from God, and as he's preaching, uh, are speaking before Cornelius, uh, they begin to receive, the, the Gentiles in the room receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and Peter and the other Jews who are with him realize these people are receiving the same thing that we received. They can be baptized into the kingdom of God as well, and so they become Christ followers. And so they realize that becoming a Christ follower is not limited by being a Jew. Well, there's conflict with this because when Peter goes back uh, to the leadership in Jerusalem, they're, they're still upset with this. And we need to understand that even in the New Testament church, there were these factions that occurred, even among those who, who uh, give us the scripture, even among disciples. It seems like from the context, and you see this in, the, in Galatians, that there were a group uh, called the Circumcision Group, uh, and they were associated with James, and that's probably Jesus' brother, uh, who were, were more like, you know, if you're going to be a Christ follower, you need to follow the regulations. You need to follow the rules. You need to be circumcised. You need to follow the church calendar, the Jewish calendar. You need to f- follow the temple calendar. Uh, these things are still very important. And uh, it was incredibly important to them, so important that Peter, even though he was brought to this place where he knew that the gospel was for Gentiles, uh, in Galatians, uh, Paul mentions that Peter stopped associating with Gentile Christians. And Paul basically came to Peter and rebuked him and said, no, you can't do that. This gospel is for Gentiles and for Jews. It's for anyone who calls upon the name of Jesus. You even find this, that, that Barnabas, who traveled with Paul, he finds himself kind of caught in the middle, and he's sort of associating with Peter in this, and he's sort of with Paul. So within these groups of people that we respect and love, who are followers of Christ, there was lots of disagreement on how Gentiles would fit into the picture. So I'm going to just bring that there, is, okay, so the Gentiles in Acts have just kind of been brought into receiving Christ, and this is what the narrative says next, and, and I just this is important to understand what Paul does next. So let's go to Acts 11, 19. So then those who were scattered because of the persecution that occurred in connection with Stephen. Now, the persecution of Stephen is Stephen was martyred, and Stephen was martyred based on Paul. So before Paul was a Christian, when he, uh, Saul, before he was a Christian, he, he martyred Stephen. The church was scattered throughout Judea. The only people who stayed in Jerusalem were the disciples. And so they were persecuted, and they were sent to all these different places. And so it says... Um, they were scattered because of the persecution with Stephen. Uh, they made their way to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch. So from the persecution, they went to Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. And Cyprus, of course, is, is an, an island up in the northeast corner, of the Mediterranean Sea. Phoenicia, you go up into, um, that's a little bit north. Uh, and then even uh, farther north, you get up into Antioch. Antioch would be like modern-day Turkey. And so they went in that direction. But this is what it says. These people who were scattered went in that direction. It says, speaking the word to no one except to Jews alone. So they were followers of Christ, but they still felt this message was only for the Jews. So these are the people we're we're hearing about in the beginning, you know, in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit's poured out in the temple, and and they all begin to speak in tongues, and a great number are added to the followers of Christ. These people were scattered because of persecution, and wherever they went, the majority of them only spoke to Jews about Christ. 
But now this is what the narrative says, and it's very important. It says, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, preaching the Lord Jesus. So you have some Christ followers who only speak to Jews, and then some other Christ followers who begin to speak to Gentiles. And this is what happens. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. So revival begins to occur among the Gentiles. So in Antioch, there are some Christian uh, Jews who only speak to Jews, and there are others who speak to Gentiles, and the Gentile group's growing. So you have this, this, basically this conflict that's occurring in Antioch, where there's revival and renewal among the Gentiles, but among the Jewish Christians, there is a hesitancy to even associate with these new Gentile believers. And we know this to be the case because in Galatian, there's such conflict that when Peter comes there, he doesn't associate with uh, the Gentile believers in Antioch. He only associates at first with Jewish believers, and Paul rebukes him. Fascinating stuff. And it's important to know that in the New Testament church, there was conflict. So if there's conflict in the church today, that's just what happens. There was conflict between Peter and Paul. There's going to be conflict in your church. That's just what happens. If you're trying to go to church with no conflict, you ain't going to find it. So, you know, if we all just believed in Jesus, there wouldn't be conflict. Well, Peter believed in Jesus, Paul believed in Jesus, and there was conflict. There was conflict in the New Testament church, there's going to be conflict in your church. That's just the reality of it. But we've got to find a way to work together and to discern God's will and to walk through conflicts. So anyway, there's this renewal and this revival occurring among Gentiles in Antioch, and this is what the scripture says in verse 22 of chapter 11 in Acts. The news about them reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and so they sent Barnabas off to Antioch. Now, Barnabas comes from the Cyprus region, and Barnabas seems to have this gift as an encourager to be able to go into that situation and to deal with a difficult situation. Then when he arrived and witnessed the grace of God, he rejoiced and began to encourage them all with resolute heart to remain true to the Lord. Now, this is the big thing in Acts. And this is just a huge, I, I hope you can get my heart on this. It says for Barnabas, it says, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a considerable number were brought to the Lord. And then it says, and Barnabas left for Tarsus to look for Paul, to look for Saul. Now, up to this point, Saul had given his life to Christ in this Damascus Road experience, and but he had faced conflict after that, where people wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him in Jerusalem, and they basically sent him back to his hometown in Tarsus, and for 12 years, he'd just been hanging out in Tarsus, not really being able to do much outside his own home city. Why? Because no one trusted him. The disciples in Jerusalem didn't really trust him. The disciples didn't go get Paul. They got Barnabas. Uh, the, the Jews who were Christ followers who'd been scattered because of Stephen's persecution, they didn't trust him. They don't go get him. But Barnabas sees an opportunity, and this is why I'm sharing all this, and this might be a little deep theologically, but Barnabas sees an opportunity. Barnabas goes to Antioch, and he sees this reality. He sees that there's this Gentile group that's growing in Christ, but they need discipling. And there's Jewish Christians who have rejected this Gentile group. This Gentile group needs discipling. And then Barnabas, full of the Holy Spirit, realizes, Paul, I can go get Paul. See, Paul has still been rejected by those he persecuted. They've sort of accepted him, but they don't really trust him. He's, he's done something where they don't really accept him. And we realize for the rest of Paul's life, Paul laments in his other letters 
that he's never really able to reach Jewish followers of Christ, and he's never really able to reach his people. He laments that. He still writes about uh, how the kingdom of God interacts with, with the Jews, with Jewish followers, with, with Christians who were Jews, are Jews. I mean, he, he cares about that community, but that community doesn't necessarily trust him because of what he did in that community. Because at once he was a Pharisee, and then he was against the Christians, and then now he's for the Christians that he persecuted. And in general, in the Jewish community, he's just not trusted. But Barnabas sees an opportunity, and Barnabas goes and finds, and it's interesting, the scripture says he went and finds him. So he's just kind of lost there in Tarsus, and Barnabas goes and finds Saul and gives him an opportunity, and basically comes to him and says, you know, you, you basically can't really connect with your own people anymore, but there's this Gentile group that needs you, and, and they're, they're, going, they're hungry. They need disciples. And if you're willing to embrace this new calling, there's a lot of work to be done. And so Paul embraces this new calling. Does he still care about his old calling? Yes, he still, he still speaks to um, the Jews. He still speaks to his family, his friends. He still speaks to Jewish Christians, but he's still not really accepted by that group much. But he also now embraces this new calling to speak to the Gentiles. So why does Paul go to the Gentiles? He doesn't just go to the Gentiles because he just feels called to go to the Gentiles. There's a part of the reason he goes to the Gentiles because he cannot go to those other groups. He has a new calling based on the fact that his other calling has been rejected. It says in verse 26, And when Barnabas had found Saul, he brought him to Antioch, and for an entire year they met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, why are they first called Christians in Antioch? Because now Christianity is seen as something beyond just before. It's just seen as uh, Jews who believe in Messiah, who believe in Christ. Now they have to be called something else because there's this group of Gentiles who believe in Christ, who in some ways are not being accepted by others who only want to speak about Christ just to Jewish uh, believers. So there needs to be a different name. This isn't just a Jewish sect. This is something that goes far beyond that. And so they're called Christ followers. Now, there's a lot of complication there, and I, and I might have just said too much, and it's a little confusing there. But this is a, a big picture here. The Apostle Paul starts out as a, an avid persecutor of the Christian church, and that persecution leads to them being spread throughout Judea. He has a radical experience with the resurrected presence of Jesus Christ, and he wants to bring that good news to his own people, but his own people don't trust him. They've, they've rejected him. They don't trust him. And so he's stuck in Tarsus, not able to do much of anything. But this new work begins to happen among the Gentiles, this new field, this new harvest field. And Barnabas goes to Antioch, and he sees this new harvest field, and he sees the opportunity for people to be discipled. And he goes, and he finds Paul, and he says, Paul, here, here's a new field for you. Here's a new community. You can speak to this group. You can still speak to the group that won't listen to you, but here's a new group to speak to as well. This resonates with me greatly, because it, it shows God's kindness and God's goodness. Does Paul give up on his original desire to speak um, to his, you know, the core people, to the, the, the Jewish nation, to the Jewish people, 
to his brothers and sisters, to those that he was fighting with in the beginning as he was fighting against Christians? Does he give up on speaking to, to his family, to his heredity, to his nation? No, he doesn't. And so for me, for any of you, if there's a desire in your heart from the beginning, there are people you were trying to reach, uh, you can continue to try to speak to them, whether they accept it or not. If there's family members you've been trying to reach, if there's friends you've been trying to reach, if there's a passion you had in your heart and you've been actively pursuing that, you can still pursue that. But what Paul found is he was rejected. They did not accept him. And so he came to this point where he no longer could continue on that path and put all his energy towards that path. He, he, he was not accepted. So he had to turn and embrace the new thing that God was doing. And I think that's true of us as well. It gives us permission that, and, and think of, here's just an example, like you can have family members and friends where you still bring them Christ even though they reject that, or they reject your calling and they reject your faith, and, and you give energy towards them but you can't give all your energy. That there's a part of you that says, okay, I need to give my energy to the people who will listen, the people who value and respect what I have to bring them. That you embrace the new calling. See, it's both. I look at at Paul's life as Paul is not just living, lamenting the life that he doesn't have. He's not just living in this fiction, right? Just sitting there going, oh, you know, what are you going to do? I desire to do this. I can't do this. Woe is me. Instead, Paul embraces a new reality. He's continually listening to the Holy Spirit instead of just sitting around going, you know, what am I going to do? Can't do what I want to do. I guess life's over. He constantly embraces the reality of what's happening right now and changes course based on what God is doing in this moment. So the Gentiles are a community that wants to be discipled. So he begins to disciple the Gentiles. You see this with Paul when it comes to prison, right? Did Paul, when he became a believer, uh, was his first desire like, I'm going to reach the world through being in prison? No, that's that wasn't his desire, right? That's not what he wanted. He wanted to go into communities and to preach the gospel. He, he would travel to communities to preach, to teach, to disciple. But what happened? He got thrown into prison. So what did he do? Well, I'm in prison. I can't do what I want to do. I just I guess I should just give up and just lament did he just write a bunch of letters from prison saying, get me out of prison until I get out of prison, I can't do anything? No, that's not what he did. Instead, he embraced his calling in prison, and he began to write letters. And those letters have become holy scripture. And, and we would argue that the most effective thing that Paul has done as far as the most lasting thing has been his letters from prison, which we call scripture. Now, for his life, did he set out to write scripture? No. Did, did he set out to be imprisoned so he could write letters to people? No. But because Paul was not caught in this idea, well, you know what I really desire to do, I can't do, so I'm just going to give up. No, he embraced the season he was in. I want to encourage each of you that we can live our lives lamenting what has not happened. We can live our lives being frustrated about what hasn't happened or what has happened to us, and say, well, because we're in this situation, there's nothing I can do. Or we can pray and say, Lord, what are you doing? How can I participate with you today? In the context of Paul's life, there's a community that rejected him. Maybe there's a community that's rejected you. Okay, you can still have a heart for them. You can still pray for them. You can still speak to them, but you don't have to give your best energy. Maybe give it to another community as well. What's the new community you're supposed to speak to? 
Maybe you had a desire to visit someone, but you're like, Paul, you feel like you're in a place of prison. You're like, I don't know what to do here. Maybe there's letters to write. Are you living based on past regrets or on the present reality of what God is doing in this moment? Paul was willing to embrace the eternal now of what God is doing in this moment. Are you willing to embrace what God is doing in this moment? You still can care about the people who've rejected you. You can still have a desire to pursue things where doors are not opened and You can put some energy towards that. But ultimately, are you willing to give your best energy towards where the activity of God is flourishing, where the Gentiles are hungry, where people are like, yes, disciple us, feed into us. We welcome the presence of God from you. I'm going to pray about this. I'd like you to pray about it as well. Okay? Thanks for listening. Hey, here's a couple things. I'd love it if you text the show. Here's the number, 360-818-4513. If you don't want to text, you can also just leave a message. 360-818-4513. That's 360-818-4513. To keep this show on the radio, I need some people to donate this week. Go to fairlyspiritual.org and click on the donate button. That's fairlyspiritual.org and donate. Also subscribe through iTunes and SoundCloud. Make room for the Lord. He knows you by name. See you next week. Proceeding broadcast was sponsored by Fairly Spiritual. When you write or call this program, be sure to mention you heard it on KCIS.